0: All right, all right, all right. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, assalamu alaikum. Uh, welcome everyone to How to Pakistan, the season of COVID. This is episode three. I'm joined by the remarkably agile, facile, handsome, charming, funny, enormous,
1: Thank you for that grand introduction. And you're a grand, uh, grand
0: man and the problem is <laughs> because, because you can't grab the phone from me and, and smash it You Adil Umar it
1: off It was so kind of him to let us use this song because I think you know it's just a great song and it's also something that's become very recognizable as the intro to the program um, Uh,
0: Fasi. Um, I was gonna try and pull off a Shariat Afzali, but I'm actually. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, I'm I think Adil, Adil is uh, Adil is amazing. Uh, I'm, del- I'm delighted that we are associated with that song and with uh, with Adil. Adil is. Uh, Adil is awesome. And guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, go and Google Adil Umar. Um, the song, the name of the song is uh, Nigat and Paras. Uh, Adil is a Islamabad rapper. Um, he's, uh, he's cool. He's, uh, and he was, I think, I just like him because he likes me, right? You know, you know how I am, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually somewhere once upon a time and um he discovered my knowledge of uh, white boy rap, um, you know, which you know I'm not af- ashamed of, or you know, uh, I don't hide uh, at least very well. So uh, so we hit it off real real well, and uh, yeah, over the years he's continued to impress me with uh, his ability to do his own thing in this city, in this town, in this marketplace. That's uh, that in and of itself is admirable.
1: How how are you doing, uh, Fassi? Not bad. I'm fine. I'm not a social so to me, uh, it hasn't been that difficult on a personal level. I don't know if I mentioned this in our uh, first
0: uh, episode for this season, but uh, I found the ability um, to spend sustained periods of time with my family to be Really uh, rare um, and quite an interesting experience. Uh, really, you know, I don't want to sound all sappy. I mean, you know, it has its downs too. But especially with my with my with my elders and and with my children, uh, I haven't really had. I just haven't had this much time. I think with your spouse, you end up spending time just out of logistics. But with the with the kids and and with um with my with my folks, we we really have been able to see each other more in the last month than we ever have, uh, I think in my honest living memory, like since I went off to college, I haven't seen this much of, uh, of them. So that's uh, really interesting. But what it made me think about Fussy is um, people that are single and people that are living uh, alone. Oh, or people who are not single who might be living in a family unit, but people who feel alone and and uh, as somebody who you know, I think like you, I might come off as uh, extroverted, but I too am not particularly social or extroverted, and so um, I don't know. I feel like we should you know raise a glass of zamzam to all the you know uh, loners out there who might actually who gen- generally might enjoy uh, solitude, but I think this enforced this enforced
1: separation might be really rough on them. What do you think? No, I agree. With A lot of people, absolutely. I think there are people, uh, and I, I think that's probably the most normal way of living. They like to go out. They like to meet people. They've got friends and things that, you know, make them look forward to things. And... um I think the most interesting thing is that I remember when I was reading initially, and I had a bit of skepticism, but it's just shocking. Um, Just, uh, you know, like one of the things that, you know, domestic violence rates have just jumped up across the world in a lot of cities that are reporting it, because one of the benefits, at least, of working regularly is that you had an abuser leave the house for nine, ten hours. And now it's 24-7 and it's going on. Uh, a lot of people are genuinely depressed. And uh, and it's not just depressed if they don't have family. Even if they have family, it's not a way of living that appeals to them. And I I absolutely see that. And, uh, and there are times where you just want to go out. I mean, you remember like last month, I forget what it was, but both you and I were depressed and I don't know how it came into your mind. And we went to watch Bad Boys Forever. And... uh, (laughs) Dude, how awesome was that? (laughs) I couldn't believe it, right? Even I, I I was as usual reluctant, I said no. And then finally, when we went and we just couldn't stop laughing in the cinema. It was such a good film.
0: And remember right the now dude, I think
1: the dude that was sitting like two, two seats down.
0: We <laughs> <yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> And I, I looked at him and I was like, dude, why aren't you laughing? Why are you looking at me? I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> <bear."> <laughs> it
1: is such a gifted script. And, you know, I just kept thinking, right. And we both left feeling really good. We actually, I remember that was the we start of our series of the podcast and then we said, you know, hell with it. What we also did was that I remember I brought a lot of big stuff. And we really <laughs> <put it> out. <laughs> so that was the primer for the film. And then just sitting through that film and watching it. And, and, you know, so now I think like, you know, every so often that's something that you want to do that you just want to get out. And cause it, you know, seeing something in the cinema is actually still a very different experience, no matter how big the TV gets in your home. Um, And uh, yeah, so I mean, I I have to say, and also you get more time these days to look at things. And I just saw a screenshot on Twitter the other day and it was the funniest thing I'd ever, I should have saved it, I didn't, but it was this one Pakistani guy and it sounded like he was coming out. So he said, um, you know, as a child, I never thought I would grow up to be attracted to butts. And then one of his friends, <laughs> uh, right? She wrote beneath it, trying to be helpful, but not really understanding it. says, if you can ignore the accent, they're actually a nice people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> like one for the comedians. One
0: <laughs> for the Oh, <laughs> listen we're laughing uh, we're laughing yes. um, I think we need to laugh uh, not just you and I although certainly I mean put me in front of the line and yeah, and and because I've seen video so uh, for our listeners um, Zoom is this amazing I don't know what the hell is going on with Zoom but they've got like a couple of you know fears and fakirs on the board because the sound quality and the video quality on this thing is just something else. Um, So we're recording this on Zoom today. We are maintaining physical distance. And um, we thought of doing the video, but both the condition uh, that I'm in and the condition that Fussy's in um, on this uh, lovely, increasingly warm uh, April day, um, we we thought against it. Uh, But then, you know, I was thinking about condition and I wanted to just uh, you know, say a special dua and and a shout out really for everyone that is suffering through this, but specifically for actual victims of the virus, because we have a, a regular listener and and a really cool guy um, um, that we know through Twitter. His name is Hamza, and he's a Hamza, doctor.
1: Asim Yusuf.
0: Yeah, and and Doctor yeah. Hamza, awesome Yusuf is a you know clearly a very. Um, well-raised individual um, and, uh, and a bit of a hero because he's a doctor in the NHS in the UK. And uh, he, you know, he's, he's been working um, the COVID wards and he's aching to get back in there. Uh, but he's contracted uh, COVID-19. So anybody that hears this, um, thank you for listening as always. But, but a special dua for Hamza, uh, if you can. Uh, dua, prayer, warm thoughts. I know there's different uh politics and uh belief systems out there. Um, and I don't think we know our audience well enough for me to really let loose on uh <laughs> on my unvarnished yeah. views on various belief systems, but uh, but especially no, Let me
1: tell you, okay? So Hamza, uh, Asim Yusuf is really uh, interesting and a very nuanced and literate guy. He's got his besties with Kasim He's also another one of those really social science gems. And they've got a really fantastic friendship that you can see online. Um, Hamza is also somebody who loves Lahore. It's history. Uh, and he defends Etchison College, where he's from and we also promised that we'd say a big shout out to hsn college even if we didn't mean it, mean it right so wait 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 uh, wait wait, wait, wait,
0: wait. <laughs> hold on you promised you promised
1: um i promised yes. <laughs> that,
0: that you would give a shout out to it college i'm gonna yes. bleep. i'm gonna bleep myself but the beautiful thing is we can just press mute here so here's what i yeah. think of hsn college <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's, it's produced Hamza, it's produced <laughs> Tassian, So You know, every so often it redeems itself. And... <laughs> and uh, Although I, I heard a rumor, and I hope it's not true, but apparently uh, Hamza is wearing his... Uh, blazed in the hospital these days, right?
0: <laughs> Still, <laughs> right?
1: and people are asking, no, "No, no, let's just stick to protocol." And he's like, "I'm sick. I can do whatever I want now." So he's really flying the flag high for HSM. So is he from the Ranjit Singh, the
0: Ranjit Singh house, or the Dayal Singh house, or the Mohammed bin Qasim house? Which one? Which one is he from? <laughs>
1: yeah, but anyhow, I really hope. I think he's a godly. Amazing. I think he's a godly boy. Or, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, those are the uh, you know, those are the given names. The nicknames are Macaulay House, Nicholson House, and all those uh, others uh, uh, stuff like that. But. You know, um, so anyhow, I, I, I hope he gets better. And uh, it's a terrible thing to go through, but that's the way it is these days, unfortunately. So, you know, um, what were we discussing right before Hamza? You, we were talking about something. We were talking about bad boys uh, forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad boys
0: forever. I know why you brought it up, by the way. And I, I frankly, I don't appreciate you turning into a sappy old man this early in, in our career. We're only in season like four and a half. Yeah. Uh, the only reason you brought it up
1: is because you bought <laughs> the mid a bit. Like you're seriously like I swear it was a great day. But I think you and I have done this a couple of times. And the first thing we think is, let's just order something. And then we order some really bad stuff. And then <laughs> But anyhow, so that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I really uh, appreciate. And for most people, I have realized that one of the things that does really help is keeping a routine. And I'm not someone who ordinarily keeps well to routines, but in these particular days, definitely, um, it's something that's really beneficial.
0: Um, again, going back to, you know, my, my own uh, experience, um, I mean, I found namaz to be, a, uh, the, the, the salat or prayer, to be a really interesting um, I have to say, like a rediscovery for me um, in terms of uh, on time delivery. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I've been thinking a lot about, I think we all have, right? Like, I think everyone out there, we've been thinking about how quickly normal has changed and how normal, normal might never, I, I actually am certain that normal, normal isn't ever coming back and how, how scary that is for, for so many people, but also so that.
1: Anyway, I'm also opposite view. What, what is that? Yeah. I think normal, normal will come back if it's under control. Uh, if there's a vaccine, I, I think maybe I said it even last week, there have been amazing, amazing times where, you know, it's sort of like the Fukuyama thing where we say, oh, this is now, this is the last time. Wait, 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 hold on, dude,
0: dude, I'm going to have to do the whole edit and the beeping thing again. You can't use that right. word unless you warn me so that I can beep it out. What, 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 what did you mean by that? <laughs> the, Like, could you just repeat what you just said?
1: Francis Fukuyama. Oh, you're talking about Francis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 you're
0: you're you're a bad boy, a dirty boy,
1: something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I said, go ahead. So tell tell. But, me more but anyhow, like, every every so often, we think that this is it. This will never happen again. This is the end of history. You know, you think about World War One, and everyone thought this was the war to end all wars, and then twenty years later, they upped the ante, and people forgot. You have extraordinary types of genocides. Everyone thinks this is never going to happen. The human race has been incredibly appalled by what it's seen. And then we see that, you know, human memory is just a couple of years. Right now, I think for a lot of people, definitely this is it. But, you know, when we come out of it, the same institutions, the same structures, everything, if they have not rapidly devolved, I think that, we'll find a way to be back into the whole consumerist race. And I think that we'll still find ways to push off action for climate change and things like that. And that too will only affect us once we start really seeing it. We're already seeing it, but something major will have to happen, which could be entirely preventable. So I, I do feel that um. <clears throat> I think we've
0: lost you, uh, Fussy. Uh, which is which is okay. We're still recording. Um, so yeah, we're back. Actually, that wasn't Fussy. Uh, that uh, that was lost. That was that was my internet. Um, what you were talking about, Fussy, was the fact that uh, you think the opposite. You think that there is we're going to go back to normal, and that that's not necessarily good news. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, at one point we got cut off, but my whole thing is that I've seen during my own lifetime, and that from history as well, is that there's so many points that we think are going to be huge inflections, that we will suddenly change the way we behave, that, you know, a war like World War I, which was supposed to usher in a disdain for war and end all wars yeah. 20 years down the line, it's still came back and with a vengeance in a way that even World War I could have not imagined. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think about uh, the period after APS and the way we all felt, and then even today, it's like it's, it's a different country. It's, those wounds aren't fresh or front of mind in the way that we thought they would always be. And so when you have, if something happens in this lockdown, is lifted, we'll find a lot of people, we'll find recidivism, people will go back. Whatever resolutions we made will eventually uh, you know, go away and maybe some of the better nations uh, will have an idea that okay, worst case projections for things like this is something that we need to put in our planning cycle. And that may or may not happen. So that's why I tend to believe that I agree for the time being and maybe it'll even have an effect for a year or two afterwards. But if things really open up, we'll find ourselves back at where we were pre-COVID. Um, yeah, not,
0: I, I do think we have a, a fundamental disagreement. I mean, partly it's also because, like, to me, you know, APS didn't produce everything that it should have. Certainly, um, lots of lots of um, areas that we need to work on, but. We got pulverized by terrorists for seven years in the run up to uh, APS, six and a half years. Nay, Buddha, seven, not December uh, TTP, Joy, December 2007, we mobilize, we, or December 2014, may you So, I mean, we got, uh, it was bad. And I think it's easy to forget how bad it was. Every single week there was something that would, you know, that would destroy your soul. And even in, uh, even after APS, there was, there was a number of incidents. And over time that, that curve is really dramatically reduced, right? Like the, the numbers just, there's no running away from it. You can't hide those numbers. Whatever the country did after APS, as far as the primary objective was, it was to end, um, the kind of fear and, and shadow of terror. I think that that's been achieved. Um, but of course, the entire thing—the the the wave of terror and the reaction to it—those were all man-made. You know, somebody said that nine eleven was the big inflection point in their life, and you know, it was a very important mo- moment in my life, in your life, and I think you know, everyone, especially Muslims, I think the world over that have some connection with modernity and with the West, in particular, um, it was a huge moment. And ov- obviously, those people who were on the wrong end of uh, the U.S. Uh, response. The response of many countries, including Pakistan's, um, you know, obviously it changed lives. It, it costs so many lives. So many people have been killed, but this is different in the sense that it's not man-made and nobody quite understands the full dimensions of what this is. And I think some behaviors are, are I don't know, you tell me, actually, let me ask you this. Do you really think that we're going to be as um, physically physically, intimate as a people, uh, here in Pakistan, as we, as we tend to be, I especially mean like, you know, the lack of personal space. It's an interesting thing. And, you know, we, you and I have, I, I we've definitely talked about it offline. I don't know if we've talked about it on the, on the podcast, but, you know, having grown up in the West and well, grown up is a <laughs> relative term, but having, <laughs> yeah. uh, been raised there, uh, and, and then moving here in my sort of teens, uh, to this day i'm I'm really uncomfortable with people like in line that are just really right up you know close to me and and it used to be a really big thing when I was younger and now I just you know kinda you get used to it
1: so, noticed- I mean, yeah. I, so that's interesting you bring that up I mean look um that sort of you know the the idea of personal space and things like that um that's been informed by culture to a certain degree, right? And right now, the spacing is being informed by infection. And if that were to go away, the threat of that, I mean, I'd imagine that it would maybe do a little something, it'll take some people, but if it hasn't fundamentally altered, you know, culture, because if people value individuality and individual space and have carved out a, you know, life around that, whereas here it's different, I don't know to what degree this would have staying power. And that's why, you know, I'm much more suspicious that it would have really long lasting effects. Hmm. That,
0: uh, I mean, it's a pretty fundamental debate and I guess, you know, like so many things around COVID nineteen or the coronavirus, I guess the answer is nobody knows the answer, right? And, and that I think is, huh?
1: Yeah, I agree. Nobody. Uh, it's absolutely something that you know uh, is um, it's, it's, it's 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 an open world. Um, what will happen afterwards? But my bet's on that we won't alter in the way that we're projecting right now. I think the lasting change will be slightly less than moderate.
0: Okay, um, let me throw a data point that you know I've been working on and, and I've been working on it really because of the data point itself. 12,000 rupees, yeah. one time payment to 12 million households it's 144 yeah. billion rupees it's not the it's not the whole planet and 12000 isn't much from many perspectives but given that the regular uh, uh, you know the regular payment under bisp was was you know until recently was 2000 rupees a month 12000 even as a one time payment and even though it's bunched up for the kafalat uh, beneficiaries Uh, across four four months. But the fact that that disbursement is being made at that size and the speed with which it's been made, Pakistan has never done this before. Now, there's, uh, of course, two instances in my living memory where after the earthquake, there was the uh, house reconstruction um, and house uh, repair grant. Um, That was substantial, but that wasn't... In Swat after the liberation? Of course, and there was also the absolutely or, or two thousand ten floods. Post two thousand ten floods, there was a housing grant as well. The point yeah. in in recalling these is simply to say that grants have been made under specific conditions, with with you know an application process that was quite robust. You had to demonstrate that your house had gone away. You had to demonstrate that you lived in an area uh, that was under attack. You had to demonstrate that your house got you know flooded or or, or swept away. What's different and interesting about this is there's, an, there's a quasi-universal element to the, to the grant, the ESAS Emergency Cash Program. Now, I don't think that it's the intention of everyone in the government uh, that's involved in this for this to be like a, <clears throat> a permanent change. But I do think there are some people in government who had sought, who had sought an ex- expansion of the uh, social protection instrument because even if you go back to uh, the SR strategy document itself, it had expressed um, a target of, I think, 10 million uh, households. Um, again, you know, you and I are not getting into this, but, you know, for, for listeners who, who can't help themselves, this isn't a pro- Imran Khan, or an anti-PPP thing, and mentioning the previous instances or the fact that this is, in fact, the Benazir Income Support Program is not a pro-PPP thing or an anti-PTI thing. This is a real tribute to the state, which usually, quite deservedly, gets a lot of flack from people like me, people like Fussy, people like every single one of our listeners. But this is something the state has done. It's done it for over a decade consistently. It hasn't been the best. It hasn't been perfect. And now what's happening now isn't perfect. There's crowds forming. There was at least one woman who died in a stampede in, in Um, But we're looking at already nearly 3 million disbursements as of April, today's the 15th, the 16th. Uh, probably over 3 million disbursements. The state does terrible things. The, the nature of the state is to do that. But this is something really special that's happening. And the whole point of me talking about this, Fussy, is just to ask you what you think of the renewed expectations of the citizen state relationship, right? Like once you make this payment one time, what does that do to what people expect, those, those 12 million households?
1: So yeah, I agree. I think it uh, expands and uh, um, it'll create an expectation for benefits in the future whenever things merit it but um and 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 I think that the fact that the state has been able to get its act together so quickly is also something that's incredibly praiseworthy and um but, I also think that this particular idea is one that's you know been been in iterations for over a decade now so here's here's my things I think that um eventually this would have expanded into this space anyway so like even you know SAS documents pre covid had some idea that this would need to expand and i think that you know um so i mean so so that's where we were talking about the previous point i was making is that you know for me the idea that this would be something entirely new or whatever, is it's probably accelerated a couple of things, just as previous natural disasters had also brought about this sort of thinking uh, that made the state more leveraged into things like this. So, um, yeah, so I think it's great, and I think that it is something that will probably go on, but I, you know, I just feel that it's part of where the tidal shift of the state was going anyway. Um,
0: yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh I think to the extent that there's a direction and the direction was positive, uh, there's no question, but I'm just saying COVID-19 is the thing that prompted, you know, an expansion from 2000 to 12,000 and from four and a half million beneficiaries to 12 million. Those are, those are, those are quantum leaps, right? And, and what I'm saying is once you engage in a quantum leap of, depth and scale uh, of this nature, there's no, there just is no, no, like the normal is redefined and, and permanently changed. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily good and that everything is roses and peaches. That's not, you know, that's, when I say that normal as we knew it is dead, what I really mean is that these fundamental shifts are gonna re, well, they're gonna offer us the opportunity for renewal, Uh, But it can go both ways. The same um, villains that, you know, produce the poverty in the first place are going to become interlocutors and they're going to find ways of siphoning off this money. And, you know, like there's going to be all kinds of new problems that are created. But there were pre-COVID, there were problems whose scope was fundamentally different. And this is just one example. But, you know, you look at, for example, Pakistan's relationship with the multilaterals. And again, a, a point on which... I was personally disappointed with a lot of the commentary on, like, you know, the tracksuit. Uh, you know, I actually, I, actually, I actually sent messages privately to a couple of my friends saying, you know, since when were you like a fashion? You're like a serious person. You have serious views and you've become like a fashion critic because, you know, essentially because you've been trolled so much that, you know, the, the, the trolls have managed to, you know, convert you into, you know, something that responds to that. To that behavior. Um, But the debt retirement or the debt uh, easing of debt uh, argument, um, uh, that's quite fundamental. Uh, I started my writing, uh, you know, my column writing career very early on. I wrote a piece about uh, default. And, you know, I think since then I've probably been, you know, assimilated enough that uh, at least vast parts of my shtick is is neoliberal or, or seems or sounds like it's neoliberal. But uh, I mean, there's really an opportune moment here to sit back and think about for every hundred rupees that this country spends, 40 plus rupees goes to debt servicing, right? Yeah. Is it not time for us to, you know, like just entirely revisit fiscal, uh, fiscal priorities? And that means revisiting the whole spectrum, including, you know, how we pay for our security. It isn't, the question isn't whether we need security or not. You know that I'm a hawk when it comes to security. Pakistan needs to have the best national security infrastructure, uh, hardware and software in the world. It is going to always be a, a, an economy and a nation that is under threat and not always because of the things Pakistan does, but sadly because of, you know, some fundamentals about other countries. Uh, that said... Is there a better way to do this? Can we, can we do it cheaper? Can we do it more efficiently and more effectively? That question has to be asked across our entire public sector. And, and I think COVID opens a door for that. And I haven't, I haven't uttered these sentences about fiscal priorities in ages. I mean, I've talked about how we need more money for education, but I don't want to disturb the rest of the apple cart. I think we need bridges and roads and metros. And so I'm all for that. I think we need F-35s, forget about F-16s well, I want F-22s and F-35s and whatever else is coming down the road. Um, and and so, but, but at the end of the day, there's a finite amount of rupees. And what I think is really interesting is that the discovery that it's possible to do a 12,000 rupees for 12 million households notion then starts a chain reaction in terms of how we think about fiscal priorities.
1: So... <sighs> I don't know, I, I I have a totally different worldview on this. So I'm thinking in terms of like the stimulus that occurs in some of the Western countries which have strong currencies and literally the ability to issue blank checks. And those countries, if they're able to sustain demand, if they are able to get... A vaccine in whatever 18 months time, we'll find that maybe the existing world order will somewhat be in the same shape that it already is. I always thought that the debt relief was going to be inevitable. And that was partly because the kind of insecurity a failing state would bring upon, would not only just change the world order, but it would also have externalities that would cost them eventually in terms of added security interventions it would also choke up supply lines in however they've been distributed and when i see sort of this debt relief and giving enough fiscal space for people to weather this for the economy to turn back up because i think the fundamental question is that at the end of two years do we see ourselves back at the same level of the economies of the world chugging along, or is it going to be something like the 1920s, the 1930s? I think that's one of the fundamental questions. And at least, I mean, I may be spectacularly wrong on this, but just seeing the kind of stimulus that exists, their ability to exact uh, testing, if they're testing for antibodies in the future, and the economies can open up then essentially, what we have is breathing space to weather the lower demand for this t- period, and then we'll be back at that stage, which would also really not put as much pressure on the Pakistani state to look internally on all its measures, where all these inefficiencies where whether it's you know military expenditure, whether it's things like you know us paying for uh, international loans, I don't know. I have this feeling that I'm uh, on a very different plane on this one. And that's partly because I'm just not convinced at this stage that we're going to see that kind of drop. But of course, if this disease keeps mutating, it gets worse off and uh, we find other situations that right now we're not actually thinking of then yes, absolutely, it, it would do that, but I don't see that international order fundamentally breaking right now. Yeah, I have to tell you, um,
0: you're, uh, I mean, a you make sense, and b um, you're kind of cramping my uh, my optimism here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 usually you do, and it doesn't work, but but. Uh, but today you're making all kinds of sense as well. I, I, I still think there's some fundamentals that that open the door to a serious conversation that that, that opportunity didn't exist before, uh, that this moment is creating that opportunity. And we have a responsibility, I think, to push the frontiers of that, you know, of what's possible. What's possible um, beyond beyond the accepted notions of what's possible. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is I would submit to your realism or pessimism if I didn't think that people like you and I had the agency to actually, uh, had the energy to actually push the, the, the realm of the possible further out
1: beyond where it is right now. So, I actually look, I agree. I think there are going to be changes. I think we're not, I'm, I'm not suggesting that nothing is going to happen. I think there's a lot. And I also think that we're so early into this that we don't even know enough about the disease to be able to make projections on how we're going to move forward with this. Um, I mean, I just think it's even interesting that, you know, the other coronaviruses that exist in all these maybe 80 years or Hundred years that you know they've been known to science, there's no real effective vaccine uh, that 100% works uh, because we're still getting colds every year, we're still getting the flu, and things like that. And this may be an entirely different beast, and then we'll have to live with this for maybe much longer. There's like random things that keep coming up that people aren't developing good enough antibodies because. Sometimes it appears that the testing is negative, but those people are either getting reinfected or it is respringing to life. These are all major, major questions that I think would sustain the thesis that things will irrevocably change. On just the presumption that, you know, if things won't, I, I also agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's such a difficult decision. So if the G20 decision does go forward, I think that is imperative for Pakistan to have the breathing space because this stimulus cost us something like, I don't know, maybe 17 or 21% of our total budget. If we had to do it for two years, this would have been almost impossible to sustain. Um, And then having that breathing space, of course, is now absolutely essential. But looking at the Pakistani state in the past, you know what happens when we get breathing space, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the part where I think our
0: agency, uh, you know, as, as people legitimately, I mean, both from an age perspective and generationally and in terms of, uh, I mean, and, uh, again, not, not as a, not as a boastful thing, but you know, you, you're a YGL, a young global leader for the world Economic yeah. forum from 2013 uh, I was honored in 2014. Uh, I, I think we have a responsibility to challenge ourselves to, in whatever limited capacity we can, but but to make sure that you know the the same thing that's happened so many times, you know, a two decade career for both of us now, um, yeah, that, you know, we try harder, and uh, you know, it's not to it's not to put too much pressure on on ourselves, but it's also to not, you know, to just not let everything happen and 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 accept uh, a repetition of what's happened before it's yet another opportunity for renewal and, and, and reform. And inshallah, we won't, you know, we won't let this one, uh, uh, fizzle away the, the way maybe, you know, the status quo has managed to extract, uh, it, it in, on past occasions. Uh, yeah, I can, absolutely. I I can, now that i've convinced you uh, <laughs> um, I, feel, I feel like I feel like my job here is done, and so I wonder if uh, you know just in the interests of uh, our audience having a shorter and, and uh, maybe more effective dose of how to Pakistan today, um, but maybe we call it time uh, for for this uh, episode and uh, and I guess again, say a prayer and, and a note of gratitude. Uh, to all the frontline uh, doctors, nurses, cops, uh, government officials, uh, district administrators, um, even the ones that make, you know, really silly, uh, repeated silly mistakes. No further comment, uh, Fussy. <laughs> but, uh,
1: but you know. I mean, uh, that is something. I mean, before we leave, that is something that we should say: is the state today raised down a settlement? illegally occupied by really poor people in g 114 4 And other than let's not even look into the merits of whether, uh, you know, evictions from encroachments, how to do it. or. But at this particular time, this was so egregious and I would say exceedingly cruel. Because it's not just making somebody homeless. It's making someone homeless at a time when there's no employment for them so they can't get shelter. And in many ways, it's also a death sentence because you are now no longer uh, separate from, you know, the disease that could potentially end their lives. And probably, maybe it was a mistake, maybe it was whatever. But I just hope that things like this is something that, as we go on, uh, we can be more cognizant of. I,
0: you know, my view on this, but you know, obviously, it's egregious, but. I think what's really important to understand is that it's not a one off. Um, These kinds of quote unquote mistakes are habitual, consistent, frequent. They happen all around the country. The only reason we get to find out about stuff like this is because it happens in Islamabad occasionally. But what is happening in the far recesses of where the cameras don't reach and where the Twitter doesn't reach and where I'm not looking and you're not looking and none of our leftist, rightist, centrist friends are looking. You know, what happens then? And what happens then is life as usual. And and the point is, the reason it frustrates yeah. me to talk about this. And, and you know, uh, I mean, to me, the Zaneb case in Kasud was was a classic instant, instance, right? There's a severe spike in consciousness and guilt and all legitimate, I mean, all honorable, right? Everybody, the, the way people felt about that, there's not, no, nothing against anybody. But I knew then, and I expressed it, and I was, I was trolled to the ends of the earth for it, that these are institutionalized, deep-rooted problems. The way that the district administrator, you know, uh, behaves in any part of the country the way that municipal authorities behave in any part of the country the constant you know appeal for you know retweets and likes and and public uh, affection on the one hand and and behavior like this on the other this is all baked into the way that the state is is designed and structured and to me again i go back to this the reason why the emergency SAS emergency cash program represents to me a quantum an un Incomparable opportunity is because it may be that some of those people are going to get money from the state, and so if we can get the state to lean more in that direction, then over time we're going to bury the dinosaur system that produces the the, the horror that took place today in in G eleven three, and and so I think for me, I'm interested in the systems conversation and not in the in the momentary outrage because. That momentary outrage is dealt with by three tweets. I mean, Shibli Mazadi tweeted, uh, you know, the DC Saba tweeted, and, and now, you know, there's an inquiry that's been launched. We, we're never gonna, <laughs> no one's ever gonna hear about that inquiry again. No one, and no one's gonna ask because tomorrow there's gonna be a new thing to be outraged about. Hassan Minaj is gonna wear the wrong shirt tomorrow. Or, you know, yeah. uh, you know Hamza Ali Abbasi is gonna, you know, take off, take off his shirt tomorrow. And we'll all have a new villain that we can all jump on. And and the people that were made homeless today deserve better. They deserve a longer attention span and a more serious conversation than just, oh, I'm so angry at uh,
1: at Islamabad or at the state. Because that, that's not fixing any, anything. I agree with you, absolutely. And on that dour note, we come to the end and we pray for better times ahead.
0: And we pray for... Uh, as we already said, for Hamza, but for all the doctors all around the world, but especially in our country, the doctors, the nurses, the cops, uh, the PMS, the DMG, the, the, the police service of Pakistan, the, uh, the politicians from Imran Khan to Shabazz Sharif to Siraj, to especially to Murad Ali Shah, who I think is amazing. Uh, both of us are already on the record. Uh, we're friends with them, so you know, it makes yeah. that prayer even more heartfelt. But but all of the people whose names we don't know, uh, so many amazing MNAs, MPAs, local level people, municipal uh, officers, uh, sanitation workers, uh, people who are making us laugh. I mean, I, I, I've i been watching clips of Tracy Morgan. You know,
1: Allah uh, sabka I don't you know. believe it. I was watching Tracy Morgan today. And I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he's he's amazing. I think at times like this, his humor is even more uh, appealing and 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 fantastic. By the way, I think we've broken the How to Pakistan record for long endings and long goodbyes. Um, but the reason I keep going back to it is that I do think we need to repeat our sense of gratitude, uh, in my case, to god um, and uh, and everything you know underneath him and all his creations, but especially these people uh, who are at the very, very front lines of this of this fight. Please, everyone, stay safe. We're gonna play, uh, with your permission, Fassi, I'm gonna play a song that is about all these heroes, um, and, and with all, all the prayers and, and love that, uh, that I can muster, and I'm sure that Fassi can muster. Hope everyone takes care of themselves and their loved ones and stays physically distant and at home. Hold <laughs> off. Hello. Yeah, let the song play.